Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Here, here's what, what's, what I find to be fascinating. Okay, what I find to be fascinating. Kenny Pickett has, what, uh, an 8.5-inch hands. Now, how you measure that, measure that is you measure from the tip of your thumb to the tip of your pinky finger. Okay? And, and here's, here's what, <laughs> this is what happens in our society in 2022. This is, on the micro, the issue on the macro. Hand size is not the sole determinant as to whether or not you can play football in the National Football League. Okay? GPA and SAT or ACT scores aren't the sole determinant to whether or not you, you can perform in a college setting. Right? Your body fat, your body mass index, your height, your weight, your wingspan, okay, your, anything about your background. These things are not on the individual. The, the um, Wonderlick score, again, they're not, they don't solely determine whether or not you can make it or you will make it. But they are breadcrumbs or they are a piece of the puzzle which you put together. Okay? And when... When Kenny Pickett has the small hands that are so small, they would be the smallest of any starting quarterback in the National Football League. You have to at least consider, okay, well, that's a problem, right? I mean, look, Colin Kaepernick, of course, famously had small hands, wore gloves, but the size of his hands limited him in terms of the arm angles that he could throw for because you can't grip and control a football, right? So it, 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 this is, look, I made the mistake with Steph Curry when he was coming out. I looked at his body. I knew his age. And I thought to myself, like, look, it's two sets of jeans. He's getting more of his mom's size, where his mom is much more petite. His dad was obviously an NBA player, much bigger than him. And so you wondered to yourself, okay, can a slightly built 6'2 guard who's a combo guard, you know, really played until his, until his junior year, played the, the two when he was at Davidson. Can he compete as a point guard, as a lead guard in the NBA? Now, the NBA, since when he was traded until now, has changed and evolved, and he found a coach and a system which fit the fact that he's as good without the basketball as he is with the basketball. But it's at least, you got to at least be willing to consider it. Now, in many ways, your size can be a deterrent on some level if you're too big and you can't cover on the floor or your lack of size. You know, people, people want to know why Isaiah Thomas, for example, who just got picked up by Charlotte, scored 10 points in his debut. You know, why, why is he out there? Well, because the way NBA defenses are played now, if you're five foot nine, five foot ten, it's really hard to survive out there because everyone switches everything. And in order for us to design a system which hides you and protects you, you got to be so good at the other end, 
and so good at what you do on defense, and he's just not. So circling back around to Kenny Pickett, like, this is a, I don't touch him in the first round. I don't actually even care how good he is. Now, it, it also helps the fact that he's seen as a borderline guy. He's seen as a guy whose who's value is, uh, is inflated because there's a paucity of quarterbacks available potentially in the first round. But just because there's not a lot of guys available, it doesn't mean you take a guy who, whatever you think of the rest of his game, that is a limiting factor. But you'll get people that want to make, well, hand size doesn't, does it? Why would they measure for it if it didn't matter? Right? Like, I, I got into this discussion with my, my daughter, who, you know, she's like, I'm a terrible test taker. I'm not going to do well in the ACT or the SAT. She's like, but the good news is some schools aren't using that as their guide. I was like, yeah, okay. But then they're using GPA. Well, you know, I had this teacher that didn't like, like, what, what do you want them to use? I don't think the SAT and the ACT are the end-all, be-all that clearly determine intelligence. But if you're of whatever level of intelligence, whatever level of education, if you, if you do some test prep, if you get your rest, if you, you know, you do reasonably well, it doesn't have to be the same score as the complete brainiacs that go to all the courses, that read all the books, that know how to do it, that, and it doesn't. But it doesn't mean that it's no factor. It's like, well, your grades. Well, we shouldn't be judged by our grades. Like, okay, I understand. You don't want the end-all, be-all to be about your grades. It should be about, did you understand the subject matter? And did you work as hard as you possibly could to get as good a grade as you possibly could get? But there has to be some sort of reward, doesn't it, for getting good grades, like admission to a a better school. So uh, it, it doesn't mean... It doesn't mean that Kenny Pickett will never play in the NFL. It doesn't mean that this will, uh, th- this is the end of his football career. But they wouldn't measure for hand size unless enough people thought it mattered. It's not like it's lower end or middle of the pack. It would be lower than, smaller than anyone else in the NFL. And on some level, all of these little tests, it doesn't mean you have to make your decision based upon one thing or the other thing or the other thing. But if it helps you support your narrative for what your evaluation is, all the better. Kenny Pickett's eight and a half inch hands of the 663 measured is the smallest since uh, 1987. Excuse me, only nine had smaller hands than eight, eight, 8.5 inch. There's no quarterbacks in the NFL with that small of hands. In the last five years, there have been no quarterbacks enter the NFL with smaller 8.5 inch hands or smaller. The last successful quarterback with smaller hands, eight and a half, was Mike Vick. So look, Mike Vick, I would guess that if he played in today's NFL, would be more effective because there's better design runs, the use of the RPO game, the way the game is officiated, all of that stuff. So again, it like and and Mike the downfall of Mike Vick had nothing to do with his talent and frankly with his uh uh with his intelligence. It was by his own accounts, his work ethic. He had too many things going on off the field and he was last guy in, first guy out. 
And by the time he locked in on being quarterback when he came out of jail, it, it was past his prime. He had gone too too long without playing the NFL. And he still got it back to a borderline MVP level. Like, there's a super freaky athlete. So it's not like you can't, can't compete in the NFL with small hands. You can wear gloves. You play in a team with a dome. But they measure it for a reason. It does have an effect on your play. It can be a limiting factor. And and in this world of all or nothing, the truth, as I've told you on so many of these things, is right there in the middle. Right? It's right there in the middle. It does not mean he can't play quarterback in the NFL. Mike fixed the example. It does not mean that he it, it has no effect. And it doesn't matter. Because it does affect the, the arm angles. It does affect the control of the football. It does affect whether or not, if you're a cold-weather team, you're going to draft this guy. The truth is in the middle. And if you are already leaning towards, yeah, I don't see it as a first-rounder based upon talent, this ends up solidifying for it. Otherwise, if you're bought in, you're all in, you better know that's a potential limiting factor. You shouldn't be surprised if your quarterback has a fumbling problem or if he can't change arm angles and can't grip a football in multiple ways, especially in bad weather. Okay, so the combine's taking place. We got Tom Telesco is going to join us. When's he going to join us? Third hour of the show? I think third hour of the show, the Chargers general manager will join us. But a lot going on with the Packers. Everybody's waiting, as I told you, the whole league's waiting on Aaron Rodgers. Here's Matt LaFleur on what the Packers are doing. I always want to be respectful because I'm, I know it's a lot to take on. He's got a lot to think about, and certainly I, I'm making sure that I consistently communicate with him. also want to be respectful of, of his time and the process that he has to go through. Um, okay, so look, I, you know, you're, you're left. This is a hard one. Right? When somebody else is making a decision and you kind of put your best foot forward, like, this is a really hard one. You can kind of not necessarily ghost him, but give him space. You can constantly be somebody who's pitching him, pitching him, pitching him. You can just kind of go about your business in normal fashion. I, I, I think, I mean, I'm guessing, I mean, first of all, LaFleur has to feel good about his relationship with Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers continues to point out how much he likes Matt LaFleur. And, you know, it's a, it's a hard one, right? It's, like when you're with your spouse, how often do I have to say I love you for you to know that I love you? Like, do I have to say it every morning or every night before I go to bed? Right? Do I, do, that, do I, how does that, how exactly does that work? And I think the Packers just like, you know, Aaron is one of the, Aaron's a quirky dude. I'll just give him space and let him make it, make his, make his call. I, I would say this. I don't think if, yeah, I, I just don't understand how Aaron Rodgers still actually has a decision to make. Either he wants to leave or he wants to stay. And by leaving, by the way, he's got he probably got to throw out the I'll retire or, you know, trade me, I won't play. But it just, I don't actually think there's any sort of decision-making process to go through. Maybe I'm wrong, right? Wasn't that what he did during his 12-day cleanse and during his time with the, with the, with the team before that? But I, I, I think LaFleur's approach is one of only two possible. Me, I'm more of the, hey, I just every day, hey, man, just want you to know, want you here. That, that would be, that would be my, my way of recruiting, my way of not trying to pester, just, just want you to know, want you here. 
This, this is, we want you here. That's a powerful thing to say. We want you here. We want to take, get back to where we belong. We're close, and with you, it's possible. Without you, it's not possible. We want you here. But it does feel like they're doing the, you know, we'll just give them some space, which is another way, you know, absence sometimes makes the heart go fonder. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Let's turn to John Middlecoff, who joins us. Three and Out is the podcast. And uh, what are you hearing in regards to Aaron Rodgers? Uh, I think he stays. I think that's the buzz in the league, um, that he's going to be a Green Bay Packer. They're going to sign him to a big deal, and he stays a Green Bay Packer. What's your reaction to it? Um, I've been saying the whole time, from a football standpoint, it makes no sense to leave. I mean, he's consistently won there with multiple coaches now, with multiple regimes, a general manager, with multiple iterations of defensive players and offensive players. I think this general manager and head coach tandem has proven to be pretty good. You know, it's pretty clear that Denver was in play, but, you know, it still might be in play. But there is no guarantee that you can win there. And I know they got some pieces, but the head coach has never been a head coach. Hell, he hasn't been a play caller in years, and he's never been a good play caller in the NFL. Uh, I just think it's the least risky move and best chance to keep winning. Because ultimately, I looked it up the other day, Aaron Rodgers worth $260 million dollars. You know, whatever this contract, anyone would pay him. Like, money is never going to be an issue. It hasn't been a decade for him. It's really, like, going to come down to his legacy. And I think we all, you know, you're a little older than me, but, like, if you watch sports, like, he's one of the most talented players we've ever seen in any sport. But his resume in terms of winning when it matters isn't as good as a lot of people that, you know, we put him in the class of. So, he he really is too good to not be a two Super Bowl quarterback. I said this forever about Peyton, but even before Peyton won the last one, he had been to three Super Bowls. You know, Aaron's only been to the one, which if he keeps playing at the level he's playing would be, I think it's fair to say, a pretty big letdown, right? Yeah, it would be a, a massive, massive letdown. Um, so if he's coming back, why wait? Well, I just think, you know, on the outside, the combine feels all about college players. It's really about free agents and your own team. So I think the negotiations, you know, I talked to just buddies there. It, it is just long days. And that, that's like scoutings. That's like uh, college directors, you know, and personnel guys. The general managers are going from agent to agent. It's just nonstop meetings. And you're just trying to hammer out deals and money. And obviously the Packers have a lot of different things moving around and Let's face it, I think Aaron likes playing it out a little bit. Uh, but I, I know that everyone I've talked to, I saw that Arian said it. Like Most people are not expecting some crazy quarterback move, and that includes Russell. Obviously, the Texans want to get rid of Deshaun, but you know, as long as Deshaun has the stuff hanging over his head, it's just he's not as valuable in the open market. So do you want to sell, you know, in theory, a mansion for 50 cents on the dollar? Not, not ideally, right? No, you, you don't. Ideally, you do not, obviously. But at, at some point, it's like – is he going to play football again? When is he going to play football again? Yeah, I mean, I think it all comes down to, you know, we saw, you see Chris Greer said yesterday they're out. Now, to me, that doesn't mean anything. You know, the, the owner's in charge. So, I mean, the Dolphins are liable to do anything at any moment. But I, I, I do think until this stuff is figured out off the field with Deshaun Watson, some of these teams are going to struggle pulling the trigger. And, you know, he has a no-trade clause, so he has some – 
you know, control in the deal. Maybe, maybe you don't trade them till August. I, I don't know. You know, I, it, it all, I'm not a legal analyst, but it doesn't feel like anything's changed over the last year, does it, with the off-the-field stuff? It's just kind of lingering there. Yeah, so I, again, I don't know. I mean, it just, I, I don't know how you play him. Uh, on the other hand, I'm, I'm not sure how he, if he misses two years of football. I, like, the, that whole well, thing here, is Here's really... the other thing. I think regardless, yeah, to me, he's, he, you got to make pull the trigger before the season starts this year. Even if you got to eat, you know, quote unquote, fifty cents on the dollar, I, I I do think that the league, if you look at the history, and I was reading a couple articles, like we know it's not they're not asking judges and stuff for the information in terms of whether they should suspend someone or not. I, I do think he'll end up getting suspended, you know, innocent or you know, regardless. I mean, that's it. The, the, the NFL has a history of just you drag the name and the shield right through publicly you know, in, in troubled situations that they, they, they will, whether it's two games or four. So you're trading for a guy right now that probably gonna get suspended and still has legal issues. So it is, it's a pretty complicated matter. Uh, Kenny Pickett has eight and a half inch uh, hands in terms of his, the span of his hands. There's no quarterbacks currently in the NFL with that small of hands. If you are sitting in the draft room and somebody brings up Kenny Pickett, how big an issue is his hand size to you? Yeah, to me, it's definitely concerning. I mean, you saw the, you see the three names. I think it was Goff, Tannehill, and uh, one other guy, and Joe Burrow. And I'd say Joe Burrow is a lot different than the other two. Like, Joe Burrow is a pretty special player. Goff, you know, has turned over the ball a lot in his career. Fumbled. He did it. He struggled to hold the ball in the rain when he played it, when he played at Cal at Oregon. And I'd say, I saw someone say, well, Michael Vick had eight and a half hands. Yeah, Michael Vick and Kenny Pickett have nothing in common. Is the hand size everything? Of course not. Is it nothing? By no means. And to me, the biggest issue with the guy is not necessarily the hand size because he has played in a cold-weather climate. Like when people bring up hand size, I think the, the NFL ball is a little bigger, but it also has to do with inclement conditions. So if he's playing in a dome or in the California, like whatever. But if he's playing in, you know, New York or something, it, it is something that you just have to work through. And I also think that when you look at his stats, I mean, he was kind of a middling average college quarterback until this year when he threw like 42 touchdowns and seven picks or whatever in a terrible conference. You know, that's on the West Coast. The Pac-12 gets drugged through the mud. The ACC stinks. And especially Clemson, which was, you know, down year for them. I think they went 10-3 and or whatever. But the rest of those teams are god-awful. So he was beating up on a lot of bad teams. And listen, I, I've heard good things. I mean, he's a high-character you know, he put up good film. But to me, like, I'm not into his type player. I, I, I lean with bigger arm guys. He's of the Mac Jones physical talent. So when you have average physical skills uh, and then you have, you know, like the draft is all about comps. It's a little like real estate. The difference in real estate is like your house sells for what the other house down the road sold for within the last couple months, where in the draft is based on history. So it's like, well, how many guys in league history have played with eight and a half inch hands? And right. you probably all these people are going to do that, and they'll be like, well, not many. And then they bring up Michael Vick. It's like, oh, well, this guy's not Michael Vick, right? And Michael Vick turned the ball over a lot. You know, he the ball fell out of his hands. I was there. You know, ball security wasn't exactly Michael Vick's go-to attribute. Uh, it's it's amazing though on how we you, know, you find an outlier like Mike Vick. And you try and relate it to Cody. You try and relate it to Kenny Pickett. And you're like, yeah, those two are not at well, think, all. Think at about all what, Ru- what Russell Wilson did for really short quarterbacks. 
right? Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, right? They'd never go the majority of our Correct. life before Russell Wilson. They never sniffed the first round. Correct. And then, boom, they're no-brainer. I, Kyler was a unique talent because of his athleticism. But a guy like Baker, I mean, a six-foot with, you know, a slightly above-average arm, that, that's not usually the case. And look, I mean, they screwed that up, right? If they could have a do-over, they, they're not picking Baker Mayfield. Now, Kyler, it was a bad quarterback draft, and, you know, physically his talent, you know, we can question it a little bit, but he's way more physically gifted than Baker. But I, I just think that, you know, the, the Internet's going to be like, who cares about his hand size? Well, I don't know, every general manager in the history of the league does. <laughs> <laughs> that's, exactly, that's exactly my point. Exactly my point. John Middlecoff joining us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Um, okay, what, what's the value of Garoppolo out there? He's got another surgery to have. Um, how do you think that ends up playing out in San Francisco and beyond? Yeah, you know, the funny part is, is John Lynch described it, and I mean, us in the Bay Area, we've been talking about it for a while. The reason he hurt his shoulder is because he was protecting his thumb injury in the game. <laughs> so it's like, I, I've been in these meetings, and besides, once you nitpick the player, injuries are a big part of any investment in the NFL. I mean, it's the number one red flag with a, with a non-like, questionable character right if you're a good character guy it's like what's his injury history and garoppolo has a long line of injuries yes right he was hurt last year a couple years ago he tore his acl remember his second start in new england he's, he hurt, hurt. he's hurt every year he's hurt every year to Literally me, that hurt every is, year. yeah if he was just a durable player with you know his prone turnover guy like i think he would have a lot of value just because he's a plug-and-play starter trade him for a third rounder or whatever but I think his injuries, he literally can't throw till July 4th. And when I see that out, you know, is he a lock to be throwing day one of training camp? I would say no. You know, they can poo-poo it and like, oh, he's be fine. Like, I've been around Jimmy Long. Now, toughness, the good part is like, you know, he's tough and he'll do everything to get back and he's a hard worker. But I, I think the injury history has to really, really, you know, just make teams question it. But – if Russell stays, if Roger stays, a lot of teams, you know, their owner wouldn't mess with Deshaun as of right now. Like, Jimmy is just a starting quarterback, and we know, like, we're talking about Kenny Pickett's small hand. He's already a questionable prospect in terms of being, like, a high-end guy to begin with. So there aren't many NFL quarterbacks viewed as immediate starters in the draft. There aren't any guys, I mean, we're talking Mitch Trubisky. Like, everyone's like, oh, Mitch Trubisky's back on the market because Brandon Bean said – you know, he'd let his daughter marry him. Well, no one ever questioned Mitch Trubisky's character. It was his play, and it wasn't very good. So, Mariota, you know, so I, I do think Garoppolo, just his film and being in, playing in big games for years now with Kyle, uh, it will be a saving grace, and they'll be able to trade him. I just don't think they'll be able to trade him for much. Okay. What do you think happens with Carson Wentz? You know, I, my theory is just the owner is really, really mad. And, you know, they, they made this trade – the, the basically the head coach pounded the table and then Carson Wentz ultimately let him down with this play. He just, he wasn't good, you know, get the Raider game and obviously the Jacksonville Jaguar game. And then he has this huge lump sum payment due here in a little bit. And the owner's like, I'm not paying him. So are they going back and forth trying to get him to take a pay cut? Is just, is this actually they're threatening him because who are they replacing him with? Like ultimately is Carson Wentz as good as someone like I thought three or four years ago. No, he's, you know, he's one of the guys, and players talk about this all the time, coaches hammer this, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. Like, right. He kind of has regressed. And whether that's just from the injuries, whether that's you know, loss of confidence, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't pinpoint it. I, obviously, the Colts can't either. No, no one can because physically he has a lot of gifts. But he's, to me, he's still, I don't care the money. Like Ultimately, you've already made the deal. He's on your team. How are they upgrading, Doug? Like, I, I just don't see. So they cut him here in two weeks. 
what, what are they doing? I, I don't, they're, they don't have a first round pick either. So, and I, and I know, like, I think Belichick's the best at this. Like he's not worried. Like once the trade's made, it's water under the bridge. I, I've invested what I've invested. It, it is what it is. But Carson, like now his stats, because uh, I looked the other day, I mean, he was 27 and seven last year. Obviously I don't think it quite looked like that. And I think the Colts would tell you, you know, it's a, it's a little probably inflated, uh, but still, like, I mean, that's where are they finding a quarterback that could, that could give them that? I mean, ultimately, yeah, they missed the playoffs, and that sucks for a team that had however many all pros they had. But they were pretty good, and they were right in the mix. And it was a weird COVID year, which is, and they missed a ton of guys throughout the year. I'd say if you roll them back, like, don't they feel like a wild card team to you with Carson Wentz? I, I look, I'm with you on every part of this. I think this is what happened. I think the you know the owner was like I don't want to pay him. Let's get him out of the building. Let's start over. And then they start to look at the market and look at what what they could replace him with. And like, you sure we want to do this? And oh yeah, by the way, this is year one of his kind of quarterback rehab, and it wasn't all bad. It just went bad at the end. And I I think what's happening is exactly what you think. They're just they're gonna they're, they they didn't want to talk themselves into a bad deal just because they were mad that he didn't play well down the stretch. And what happened? I mean, like, are they going to have another starting quarterback? I mean, think about that. That would be what their fifth, sixth starting quarterback in six years. It'd, it'd, think it'd about, be I mean, I mean, like, look, they had Andrew Luck. He retires, and they have um, Jacoby. Jacoby, right? And then Rivers. Uh, and then they have Rivers. And then they have Wentz. And they would have, that would be their fifth starting quarterback in five years. Can't like, win like not, that. You're not going to win like that. Nobody wins like that. I, what nope, I think happened, like and it's been reported on, right? They come back from the Jags game. The owner calls Frank and Ballard into a meeting. It's furious, screaming at everyone. And they've just trying to let him calm down over time. Because, I mean, Ballard and Frank, I mean, th- I think those guys know. I just, I think it's the owner, you know, really, really hot and bothered the way the season ended. And like you said, that money, he just has a hard time cutting this check to a guy. And I understand if I was an owner and I did not like a player, whether it was professionally or personally, it'd be hard if even if my GM, my owner, or my head coach were trying to keep, hey, man, you got to play this out to like cut checks to guys. I I, I get it. But I I do think Ursay would be wrong on on this one. You got to take a deep breath, buddy. Yeah, you got to take a deep breath and realize that there's the – I don't think it'd be crazy if Carson just – got, you know, five, ten percent a little more consistent, they could win the division next year. No question. You know, it's not like it's not like it's not like they're in a division with the Bills and the Chiefs. I mean the, the Tennessee's a solid playoff team and they're gonna be a consistent, you know, ten win team. But I would say I, I think it's fair to say and I like J Rob and Vrabel a lot, but you know, that's probably the last time they're gonna be a one seed as long as Ryan Tannehill's a quarterback, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean if you don't like Wentz, like do you like Tannehill better? You know, I mean, you know, I mean, and, and Tannehill's not even available. Not even, not even available. John, great stuff, man. We'll talk soon, okay? See you, Doug. Take it easy. John Middlecoff, former NFL scout, host of Three and Out. Great podcast you should download. If you're a valued customer, you deserve a simple gesture of appreciation from your credit card company. That's why Discover matches all the cash back you earned at the end of your first year. Discover, exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. Uh, we're going to drill down on a subject that we can all relate to. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Let's get to a game. game 
This is Game Time. It's Game Time. On the Doug Gottlieb Show. Game Time is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Check out the latest lines in the world of sports. Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. You must be 21. Present in Colorado, Indiana, and Illinois, or Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem call 1 800 Gambler. Dan Byer, what's the game today? In for Dan, it is Brian, and our game is. Oh, I'm sorry, yes. But... <laughs> I feel a draft. So, Doug, this is how it's going to work. We are going to go around the room here, and the conversation is around a topic, the worst part of going to a dentist. We are going to list Oh, that's because I was at the dentist earlier today. Yes. So here's how the rundown is going to go. It's going to go to you, Doug, then Ramos, then myself, then back to back with Jason Stewart, then back to me, Ramos, and then Doug. So we're both going to have two opportunities to tell the world, tell the nation, what are the worst parts of being at the dentist. Doug, starting with you. Um, the worst part about being at a dentist. Uh, I don't think that's close, right? I don't think it's really close. The worst part is when somebody tells you you have a cavity. <laughs> Where you you feel like somebody telling you you have a cavity is basically them telling you you have terrible hygiene (laughs) and you're lazy. That's what that's what a cavity feels like to me. Right. Whether or not. And and some people are more susceptible to to cavities than others are. I understand all of that. But I mean, like whatever the circumstances, somebody telling you you have a cavity does feel like. They're telling you, uh, you have disgusting <laughs> hygiene. No doubt. And, uh, and and we're going to have to fix it for you. And it's going to be expensive. And yeah, there's going to be some pain. Yeah. John? Well, for me, the worst part of going to the dentist personally is when they take the x-rays and you have to put that thing in your mouth and bite down on it. And it's always not right. It always hurts or something. They go, just bite down. And you're like, then they go, okay, don't move now. Hold still. <laughs> and they have to walk around like the, this big wall because they're sending radiation through to you. Uh, that's always a scary thing. So that for me would be uh, my choice. It's like bite, X-rays. biting into your gums. Yes. And it, it always hurts. I always say, oh, it doesn't hurt that bad. I'm like, no, no, I, I will, it does. I will tell you that that new school dentistry, they actually have like 3D... And you don't have to do all that stuff, but oh, yes, we all can relate. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah. All right. On my end, here is what I have. My peeve is when the hygienist is asking you about your life, acting like they care, all the while he or she has no idea who you are. You haven't seen this person in six months, and expects you to have a conversation with all of this stuff in your mouth. <laughs> Plus, you got the thing that's sucking all the yeah. all of the yeah. saliva out of your mouth as well. Yes. That's interesting. That that's one of my two picks, but my, my top one personally, and I don't that hasn't been taken yet, and I'm glad I got it. For is the negotiator, the person that comes in, and you've already signed off on the work that needs to be done, whether it's a bridge, an onway, or a cavity. Then the negotiator comes in, and somebody from the office saying, "This is what it's going to take. Here are your three options." There's like the first option that's dirt cheap that you'll never choose, and then the the way expensive one. So you always pick the one in the middle. But it always feels like I'm, I'm trying to be sold a car in that moment, and I hate that moment. And then, just like Brian said, not only are you talking to the hygienist and whatnot, I love when you have to take the mouthwash in and then spit it out when your mouth has been numbed, and it just runs down your shirt. Oh, that's yeah, always a fun. Yeah, that's that's a that that's a that's a 
That's a good one. Brian? Yeah, so on my, I guess the next one for me would be, and that's kind of going off of, Jason, what you were saying, and looking at some of these costs, and them saying to you, well, this is how it's going to, to, to go as far as finances, and they say it very politely, very kindly, and, and then you see what it's like. And that seems to be one of the worst things. Ramos, back to you. Mine would be them picking your, your teeth with that picker thing. Just keeps picking, <laughs> and it really hurts. They always <laughs> digging into your teeth. So that would be mine. Picking your teeth with that picker thing. Um, okay, I'll do mine. I'll do mine. I actually have two because I would have the first pick if we did a th- round three. Uh, second one is um, is when you get the bill because you think you have insurance and that covers the bill, and then you realize just how little the insurance actually covers, right? And then if you have big-time dental insurance, you realize how little you actually need it if you're just getting teeth cleaned. I'll give you the next one at the top of the hour. It's Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. James Harden made his debut in Philly. I'll tell you what I saw next on the Doug Gottlieb Show.